This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. I'm Cynthia Graber. Sometimes, when researchers are conducting an experiment, the results are confusing. Maybe the control group of animals doesn't behave the way a control group should, in theory, be behaving. Maybe a researcher repeats a study and sees results that are unusually different from the first time around. The answers to these issues might lie in something called hidden variables, according to a new study titled, What's Wrong with My Research? The Impact of Hidden Variables on Neuropsychopharmacology Research. Brian Trainer is a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, and he's one of three authors of the study. His co-authors are Amanda Kentner, professor at the Massachusetts College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences, and Hannah Butler-Strubin, a graduate student in the Animal Behavior Group at UC Davis. They say that many of the articles in the review are from journals about animal behavior that wouldn't typically come across the desk of those working in the field of neuroscience. Brian, did you have personal experience with these so-called hidden variables in the past? When I moved from my postdoc to UC Davis, I started trying to replicate some of my postdoc work. And what I started finding is that there were some results that were not matching up with my postdoc work, including like one paper that was published in the, you know, proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences. So this was like, you know, help get me the job here and parts of it couldn't be replicated. And I, I can still remember, you know, having a panicked phone call with my former postdoc advisor. He said, you're not going to retract that paper. You're going to figure it out. And eventually we narrowed it down that we were using a different bedding in the cage at UC Davis that we were using at uh, Ohio State. And thank goodness, the core finding from my postdoc finding did replicate across the two different types of beddings. But there were some other details that were not quite as important that were completely dependent on the bedding. And that just like really made me more aware that these things could have such a big influence. And I can still remember talking about these results at, uh, at a conference and people really reacted strongly to it. I've never had any more, <laughs> more questions to a talk in my life, but uh, you know, the way our publishing system works, we tend to only publish results when we get a difference related to like our scientific question. And it's kind of rare for us to publish papers on things like say the bedding in the cage or, you know, how a light cycle would influence behavioral results. Hannah, what inspired your interest in doing the research for this review? I think I was really inspired by, um, honestly, over my whole kind of academic career, seeing how like the ins and outs of science and how like there are so many different variables that can make things um, go wrong and like make your experiment not work. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, is it me or is this actual real data? And um, at least in my case, there's a lot of times where it's actually something that was in the environment that could be easily manipulated and changed or fixed. And then we can get what we think is more accurate data. So what were some of the main categories of hidden variables that you explored in this paper? The first thing that stands out to me is um, lighting. And lighting is so important. And it's often not reported. Or if it is, it's something that people kind of tend to overlook and not really think about. You include lighting and circadian rhythm together in the section about the potential impact. So how can these have an impact on the results of studies? One that I can remember back from uh, graduate school is about this uh, peptide called orexin, or it's also known as hypocretin. And when it was first discovered, everyone thought that its main function was to increase uh, appetite. And that's because when they would you know, do an infusion of orexin into a mouse or a rat, they would eat more. But what people ended up figuring out is that it wasn't so much effects on the appetite per se, but it actually had effects on the arousal of the animal. And that's because most of these studies were done 
uh, in the light phase when the rats or mice were asleep. And so the infusion would actually wake the animals up and then they would go and eat. And if they did the infusions in the dark phase, when the animals were already awake, the effects on the appetite or, or food consumption were much weaker. You have a solutions section for each category of hidden variables. And while we won't go over all the solutions, researchers should definitely go read your paper for all of those. Do any solutions stand out to you in the lighting and circadian rhythm section? One thing that, um, <laughs> that we still need to change in my lab that I really learned about uh, in writing this paper with Hannah and Mandy is the effects that red light can actually have on rodents, because normally we assume that the rodents can't see red light, but Hannah actually found some references that they can. And there were some recommendations for trying to have more diffuse light sources if you're using a red light to test animals in the dark phase. What are some of the other topics you investigate in the paper, variables that could affect the outcome of research? We were trying to really just focus on laboratory settings differences. One of the ones that I was really interested in was like housing conditions and transportation. And that was really inspired by, I did a lot of welfare work with dairy cattle for my master's. And when I worked at the San Francisco zoo, it's just interesting how there's like this whole like breadth of literature that's not really incorporated. And there are people that are researching and saying like, Hey, transporting your rodents can be difficult, like cause issues and cause stress. And then with housing conditions, like how your animals are housed together, if you have um, so many in a cage, how are they interacting with one another? Brian? I would sort of been wanting to write about the transportation stress for a while because uh, back when we were having the bedding issue at that time, another series of papers had come out showing that the age at which you ship uh, your mice or rats can actually have a major impact on their developmental trajectory, because a lot of times people ship mice when they're adolescents. That's like one of the most stress-sensitive periods of their lives, and people are shipping, putting them in a box on a truck, on an airplane, driving around. Obviously, listeners should read your paper for the details. You have sections with explanations of behavioral findings on light and circadian rhythm, transportation stress, the home cage environment, and the social environment, and for each section you have solutions. Brian, if someone read your paper and followed all your suggestions, would that improve their outcomes? Well, I would love to think that if people read our paper and followed all of our suggestions, they would always get great data. I'm not sure that is necessarily going to be the case because uh, we couldn't cover everything. And so I think our paper is going to be really good for highlighting you know, some very common problems and, and potentially easy solutions like One example that might seem counterintuitive is instead of waiting for your mice to be old enough to be not adolescents anymore and then shipping them, you know, ordering older mice, which actually are more expensive, uh, it turns out you can ship your mice right after they get weaned. And it's actually better to get your mice shipped to you when they're younger than wait until they are in adolescence and then shipping them, right? So there there are, I think, a few very useful uh, suggestions in our paper that could potentially help a lot of people. But I I think what I hope will be the the bigger impact of the paper is just to put, you know, whether it's a grad student or a PI, when they're looking at results for an experiment that didn't go the way they expected it to, is to kind of like take a step back and think about what are all the possible things that could have uh, led to these results. Hannah, what stands out to you as a major takeaway from this research? I think a lot of the answers to these are are better reporting and more transparency in reporting. 
because I have met people who said, oh, I don't, you know, that's not an important detail. I'm at a word limit. You know, I can't add those details in. That's not going to mean anything where that might be something that's actually kind of important. And somebody would look at and say, hey, that might be something to consider or think about. Have you thought about that? So I think, honestly, the answer is to report. Brian, what do you hope the biggest impact of the paper will be? The takeaway that we're really hoping that people can get from this paper is is less like the specific topics that we covered, although I, I do think we covered a lot of topics that will be very useful, and more how to approach what happens when your experiment is, is not giving you the results that you expect it. And when I say that, I don't mean that like your treatment group isn't different from your control because sometimes, a lot of times your hypothesis is wrong. What I mean is like, you know, the control group that, you know, the mouse is supposed to spend more time in the closed arms of the maze versus the open arms, right? If your control group is spending all of their time in the open arms, there's there's something unusual going on. How, how do you figure out that problem? How do you figure out what's happening with your experiment? And what we're hoping is that this paper will kind of give you some ideas on where to start to figure that out. Because in the end, it's the investigators, the grad students, the lab staff, the, the PIs, right? They're the ones that know their lab the best. And what are the types of things they could be thinking about that could help them figure out why their results turn out that way? This is the podcast for the journal Neuropsychopharmacology. To read the article discussed in the podcast, go to www.nature.com NPP. I'm Cynthia Graber.